This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. I think Mark's faith was speaking when he described it as a walk through the book of Luke. Um, I think it's more of a a saunter or an amble, really, to be honest. Uh, But just just before I get started um, on that, I just want to do a plug. Um, So in September in London, there is the uh, third European creation conference. Um, it's in uh, the 23rd and 24th of September, which is a Friday and a Saturday. And there's a, there's a lot of, uh, it's a full program for the Friday and the Saturday. Some of it's quite technical, some of it's uh, quite straightforward in terms of the introduction. And uh, there's a lot of uh, amazing speakers there, um, including somebody called Susan Jones, um, who sat in the front row here. No, 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 perish the thought. So, so she will have the challenge of talking in, in, a, in a situation like this, where it's laid out like, a, well, like an auditorium, basically, uh, to between 100 and 150 kids in the 11 to 14 age group. So please pray for her. She needs, she needs your prayers. But if you're interested in going and you want to know more, um, if you're online, it's, well, or in the room even, it's, it's on the web, um, just look at creation.com and you can find links there to, to their conference. And we'll leave this by the coffee table uh, so folk can have a look at it when you're having coffee after the service. And if you didn't know that, you do not know that there is coffee after the service. So praise God for that. Okay, uh, Luke chapter 12. And um, I'm going to be reading, I'm going to be covering basically from verse 35 through to 48. <coughs> And um, you can really describe, really describe, you can really split this message, I think, I guess into three parts. Um, so there's a message which I think is addressed to everybody. Uh, there's a message that I think is addressed to leaders and, and people that have positions of responsibility in the church. And then there's one of these incredibly challenging warnings. Um, almost, I, I sometimes refer to them as gas burner moments. It's like when God likes the fire and puts, puts the gas. You've not had one of those? When God really challenges you about something and you think, yeah, I've really got to do something about this. So sorry, church, but there's a gas burner moment in this one. Um, <clears throat> it's one of the challenges, as I've said before, of when we're doing systematic teaching. And I think it's a good thing. Uh, if you're doing thematic all the time, then you can dodge the difficult passages. But when you're doing systematic, you have to face difficult passages. And you have to put difficult passages alongside the ones that we all share and praise God for. Okay, so um, I'm going to start reading uh, in chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading at verse 35. And start with, I'll just read through to verse 40. Uh, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, 
that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, uh, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, so much in here, gracious me. Okay, so let's just start out with some simple stuff to start with, I guess. So, uh, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Um, The AV, or the King James, talks about uh, girding up your loins. And essentially what happened is people would have a, a long tunic or garment and they would basically bend down. They'd hike up from, from the back, I guess. So you'd grab the bit at the back and then you'd pull right up and then you'd tuck it in your belt like this. So that's what it means to gird up your loins. Um, so if you imagine, or maybe don't imagine. I was going, I was, I was going to say, imagine, imagine me with my loins girded. And I said, don't imagine me. So if you, if you imagine somebody in that situation, what does that speak of? It speaks to somebody who's prepared to move and move fast. Okay, you're getting ready to run. Okay. Um, and your lamp's burning. So what's the lamp's burning? Well, we're in Luke. Okay, allow scripture to interpret scripture. So if we remember back all those weeks ago uh, to Luke 11, and in verse 33 it says this. Uh, no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, those who come in may see the light. So, so for me, the light is the, is, it's the light of the gospel. It, it's the good news of Jesus that he died for us. Uh, but also it, it's a reflection of our lives and how our lives should reflect uh, Jesus um, in our lives. So let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Okay, so what are we getting prepared for? What are we getting prepared for? We're getting prepared for the return of Jesus. Okay. Um, if we look back, if, well, let, let, let's, look, let's look in a parallel passage. Okay, So if we take a look in Mark 13, and uh, we can look at a parallel passage there. Um, so starting at verse 32, so Mark 13, 32. So Mark 13, basically most of Mark 13, Jesus has spent expounding various signs and things that will occur uh, from that point in which he's having a conversation with his disciples to when he returns. And then he's talking about the timing of his return when he comes back. And verse 32 opens with, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. So a mystery hidden in God, isn't it? Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when that time is, or the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, 
at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Okay, so in case we didn't get it there. <laughs> Take heed, watch, and pray. Watch. There's this constant thing, watch. And what is it we're watching for? We're watching out for the return of Jesus. And what's Jesus encouraging us, basically? What's the, the fundamental sentiment here is, don't get caught napping. All right? Don't get caught napping. <laughs> if Jesus came back today, right now, you'd feel pretty comfortable, wouldn't you? Hey, you're in church. You're listening to a good message. Well, okay. Good, maybe. Okay message. <laughs> Not so good message. You decide on that. But what about tonight? What about tomorrow morning? What about in the middle of the week? If Jesus was to come back, how comfortable would you, would you feel about him returning at that instant in time? And that's the underlying message of this, really. Uh, take heed, watch, and pray. So looking at these words in a bit more detail, take heed literally means to see or to discern. Um, for me, that almost speaks a little bit too of discerning the signs of the times. But, I mean, we could spend, <laughs> we could spend months talking about that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I grew up, um, I, I became a Christian in the, in the late 70s. I know, it's a very long time ago. Um, and there was a book that was very popular as we went into the 80s called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Um, and he, he was hinting that the world was going to end at 2000. And here we are 22 years into the new millennium. So we don't try and date, okay? Only the Father knows. But the challenge for us as God's people is to be alert, take heed, discern. Uh, the watch here, um, the Greek that's used for this word watch only occurs four times in the New Testament. Uh, two occurrences in the Gospels. Um, and it literally means to be sleepless, to keep awake, uh, which is incredible. And it just, so one of the, one of the places one of the other places where this word is used is in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 17 of Ephesians 6. And take, so it's, it, in context, it's the uh, armor of God, which he's describing. Um, in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So uh, be, to be sleepless, to keep awake. And what is it we're doing? We're basically praying for our brothers and sisters in Jesus. And we're just you know, calling on God for him to work in the lives of those around us. Um, I mean, we could just pause there and go home. There's, there's a challenge there for us, isn't there? So back in... Uh, Mark, take heed, watch, and pray. So there's that challenge to pray. So what does prayer, prayer speaks of? It, it speaks to me of a constant relationship. Okay, there's a, a guy called Smith Wigglesworth, um, who's a, a great man of faith. Uh, he was a plumber from Bradford. He lived in the 20s. Um, incredible miracles in his life. Okay, I, th I think there's something like 13 documented cases of people being raised from the dead in his ministry. Um, and he used to say, um, don't pray for more than half an hour. 
which I think is great advice. But don't go for more than half an hour without praying, which is great advice. Um, it, and sometimes I just challenge myself. Um, sometimes I forget, okay, I don't do this every day, but sometimes I just challenge myself. How long is it since I last thought about the Lord? And just, well, thank you, Lord. As uh, Lydia exhorted us earlier, thank you, Lord, for my salvation. That you loved me so much. You loved me <clears throat> so much you went to the cross and died in my place. I mean, <laughs> go from there. <laughs> our, God, our God's an incredible God. Okay. So, um, in the midst of this Mark passage, as well as say, we're, we're saying, take heed, watch, and pray, we're also saying, seeing this idea of uh, Jesus giving to people a job to do. A job to do. Um, so, there's the importance of our relationship and our ongoing relationship with Jesus and making sure that that doesn't suffer. But there's also this idea of having a job to do. And it's these two things together that we need to hold Hold intention. If you like, we need to ensure we're doing the walk, but not forget the work. But then we mustn't be doing so much of the work that we forget the walk. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Okay, so let's move on in Luke 12. So now we'll move on to verse 41. Um, so still this conversation going on with Jesus. Then Peter said to him, that's the Jesus, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant to whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. So Peter asks this question. It's a good question. Okay, is this just for us or is this for everybody? And in a sense, Jesus doesn't answer with a straight answer. He doesn't say, doesn't make it simple. <laughs> yeah, Peter, yeah, it's just for you. Or no, Peter, that was for the crowd and, and this is for you. Um, but what Jesus does do is he starts to talk about a, a steward now, a steward was like the boss of the house, okay? It wasn't his house. He managed it on behalf of his master. But he managed the house and the household and the finances. So if you like, he had all this stuff that he was looking after, and none of it was actually his. But he was managing it on behalf of the master for when the master returns. And um, the ESV uses the word manager rather than steward. Uh, the New King James uses steward. Um, <clears throat> so I could go off in lots of gags about managers, which I won't do at this point. <laughs> yeah, when I became a manager, you see, they, they taught me how to appear out of darkness when the words absolutely useless were mentioned. <laughs> that manager, Dave Jones, is absolutely useless. <laughs> okay, so what's going on here? So Jesus is talking about stewards of the household. So for me, stewards is really alluding to leaders. So if you like, let me step slightly back from leaders. Let's say anybody that has a position of responsibility within the church. So that can be 
youth pastors, youth leaders, youth workers, um, any, anybody that has that kind of position. Um, so, as well as being the stewards, Jesus also talks about uh, what, one of the things that convinces me here is that this allusion to uh, feeding. Because um, in uh, verse 41, he says, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, in verse 42, towards the end of verse 42, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household? So we've got a leader over the house to give them their portion of food in due season. Um, so uh, there's two roles. There's this kind of responsibility, but also there's this teaching. There's this giving of food. And in Scripture, uh, the Word of God is often spoken of as food. So if you like, what is it the steward's doing? The steward's looking after the house, and he's feeding the staff. He's feeding the, the, the people in the house. So that's what a pastor does, isn't it? Um, if you remember that from John's Gospel um, with Peter, okay, so, so Peter had denied Jesus. And when Peter denied Jesus, um, he was in a courtyard and there was a fire burning. And the fire had coals on it, okay? And he denied Jesus three times. And then later on, we can read of Jesus' reconciliation, basically, with Jesus. And it's incredible because. It was by a fire. There was a fire on a beach. And the fire was made with coals. So the smell would be the same. So I don't know about you, but smell can be such a trigger to our memories. So what was... <clears throat> Jesus was replacing his memory. So instead of having a memory of coal fire where you deny Jesus, now on the beach... Peter's going to have a memory where he has this threefold affirmation where Jesus said to him, do you love me, Peter? And he says, I love you. And Jesus then says, feed my sheep. Okay, so, so feed my lambs and so forth. So as well, he's replacing the memory. What a wonderful saviour we have. Um, but the, the, the challenge that Peter was, uh, Jesus was giving to Peter was to feed the sheep, feed the lambs. And what was he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews uh, 5 verse 12 uh, says this uh, for though by this time you ought to be teachers and you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food so there was an issue at the church uh, church no, uh, with, with the Hebrews that uh, this writer is writing to um, where they should be teachers, and they should be teaching the meat of the word, if you like. Um, uh, the AV talks about strong meat. Sorry, uh, vegetarians. Um, strong meat. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, just the, the, the strength of the word and this idea of feeding. Okay. So what, what needs to happen? Okay, we need to be about God's business until he returns. Okay, so we need to be uh, walking in the calling that we have. And, and if that's a role of feeding, that can be feeding youngsters or feeding adults, uh, whatever that ministry happens to be. We need to be about God's business, basically. Um, and then when Jesus returns, it's, it, it talks about being a blessed servant. Okay, we're blessed servants when Jesus returns. 
But the passage doesn't stop there. It goes on. Verse 45. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. What was it I said about difficult passages? Thanks, Mark, for giving me this one. Mate. <laughs> um, okay. So before we get on to cutting in two, I know you're distracted. <laughs> okay, but let's just pause for a moment about uh, what, what this shepherd or what this servant's getting up to. Um, so first of all, he's beginning to beat the servants. Okay? Um, so he's beating the people that have ministries in the church. And the word for beat here is quite interesting because it's not just one thump. It's, it's multiple hits. Um, yeah. And I was, just thought, I was just reminded of people talking about beating the sheep. And one of the challenges to us as leaders in the church, especially when our patience is tried, <laughs> is to continue to be gentle and loving and kind. Um, and the temptation is very strong not to be, okay? So that's why we're always encouraged to pray for our leaders. And the leadership in this church is no exception to that. So please pray for us that we will continue to be loving and kind and so forth. But anyway, the challenge of the scripture here is that uh, there's almost like a lifestyle adaption, essentially. So it begins with being cruel to the sheep. I think that's where it starts. Um, and if it's not corrected, then it starts to lead into a complete lifestyle. Okay? So it's then and to eat and to drink and be drunken. So this is leaders in the church that started off doing good stuff and then somehow lost the way. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I had a, when I was preparing this, I was just really struck um, that there's somebody maybe here or, or watching, and the, the word that is in your head is the well has run dry. The well has run dry. And you've been so focused on the work um, that you've lost sight of the walk. And Jesus would just encourage you to, to walk back with him again. Just acknowledge where you're at. Just say sorry and go back. Run back towards him. And start to drink from the well of living water that never runs dry. It never runs dry. It never runs dry. It never runs dry. Maybe even take a sabbatical. Take, take a period of time out so that you can receive again afresh uh, that anointing from God and to rediscover your walk so that you can do the work because our walk comes out of our... The, the work comes out of our walk. The walk does not come out of our work. 
and we can spend so much time looking for a message for other people that we stop looking for a message for ourselves. And it's a real, a real challenge. So please pray, not just for the leaders in this church, but for the leaders of the church worldwide, because it's a burnout is a real threat for people. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to this hard bit then. <laughs> um, <clears throat> cut him in two. That. So, what does Scripture say? Scripture says, well, the, the, the three C's I talk about, okay, is covenant, context, and comparison. So we look at other passages, uh, and let's, let's see if that helps. So let's go to Matthew 24. And uh, I'll start reading at verse 48. Now, like Mark 13, okay, it's all about end times. Matthew 24, in fact, Matthew 24 and 25 is all about end times. Um, and so Matthew 24, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. He's, he's talking about various sequence of events that's going to happen from that point in time to the time in which he returns. And um, we, he has that same challenge there in Matthew 24. We didn't look at it today, but he uses those words about watching. And then picking it up in verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards. So there's that, that leading again. Uh, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Okay, not with the unbelievers here, but with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and a gnashing of the teeth. Okay, gracious. So the hypocrites bit we'll talk about in a jiffy. Let's just talk about cutting in two. So this is an incredible, unusual phrase to see. I don't see this being used anywhere else in Scripture, uh, even in the context of unbelievers. Okay, so when talking about eternal fire, it, you don't see it even there of people being cut in two and thrown in the fire. They're, cutting in, they're thrown in in one piece. <laughs> So it must be a metaphor. It must be a metaphor. So if we're, if we're looking at a metaphor for cut, then what metaphor comes to mind? And it must be with a sword. Um, so not Ephesians, but let's look at Hebrews. Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Speaking of the word of God. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. So the word of God will cut and expose what's going on, if we're honest to it. Okay? Now, this walk's important. It, it will cut and it will expose what's going on. Um, and then if we allow ourselves to be exposed to the word we can get those things sorted out um, I was reminded too of 1, 1 John uh, chapter 2 in, in this context 1 John two twenty eight. and now little children abide in him in Jesus that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming which is a, a sound warning uh, and which is really what this is about. 
Okay, so I think cut maybe makes a bit more sense. So let's choose hypocrisy rather than unbeliever. Sorry, I'm going Yeah, let's leave unbeliever on the side of our plate for a minute, okay? <laughs> I think I might leave that one for this week too, but... So let's look at hypocrisy. Throw them out with the hypocrites. Now that's interesting because don't forget, we started out in Luke chapter 12. And Luke chapter 12, verse 1, not so many weeks ago, uh, Lydia preached on hypocrisy. And uh, Jesus warns his, well, not just his followers, it was just, sorry, not just the disciples, but his followers that are assembled. And he says, uh, basically, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So he's warning his followers about this thing that will spoil. And the thing that will spoil is hypocrisy. And what is hypocrisy, fundamentally? You look good, but inside it's completely bad. Okay, so you look the part. Okay, you might dress the clothes, you might use the same language, but inside... And for me, fundamentally, there's no relationship. I think that's what's going on. And I think that's the road that Jesus is warning leadership about. So it starts out with being cruel to Christians. It goes into a lifestyle down a slippery road. And before you know where you are, you've denied your Lord. So it's that kind of road. You've become a hypocrite. You're all work and no walk. And that's, you know, it, it's, it's danger zone here when we start to be cruel to Christians. Okay, that's danger zone. That, that's when we need to straighten up and say, okay, Lord, I recognize what's going on. I'm discerning the word in my life. Um, and then watch what's going on. Do you know that the, the communion... Um, there's two elements of the communion, isn't there? So there's, there's the wine, which reminds us of the blood of Jesus. But there's the bread, which reminds us of his, his body. And in some ways, his body is more broken now than it's ever been. And what I mean by that is I mean Christians. The body of Christ is more broken than it's ever been. And when we break bread, it's good because it says that we rightly discern the body. There's two ways in which we rightly discern the body. One, we rightly discern the body that was broken to bring us healing and wholeness and that we can have that as a, a legal entitlement. And it's fine to go to the doctor and to get sorted and to get well because God wants you well. But also what we're discerning is the body of Christ. We're rightly discerning the body of Christ. So we have that constant reminder when we break bread so that we don't go slipping down that road and uh, become this hypocrite, this shell, where it, it looks, still looks good on the outside, but inside there is no relationship. Lost. Whoa. Thank you, Dave, for that. <laughs> so, we have to be honest to the word, and that's the, the, the challenge, isn't it? And what do we take away from this? The challenge for us is to walk with Jesus and have a relationship that's living and active where you're listening to him, you're talking to him, you're responding to him. The work comes out of that, okay? And we each have a work. We each have a job to do that God's given us to do. And together, 
we get the job done. And then there's no embarrassment. When he comes back, it'll be fine. It's all cool. Okay, let's just wrap this thing up, pack our bags and go home. Okay, because we carry a passport from another world. Okay, we belong in heaven, not here. This is temporary. It'll all get burnt up in the fire. Okay, that includes, that includes what decorating I do. And she's grinning at this point because she does most of the decorating. <clears throat> okay. I'm wrapping up and I've actually still got two verses to go. And that servant, uh, Luke 12, verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself and do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. So it's good just to echo this really, that um, we walk in the light in which we have. Okay, and that's our responsibility before God. Um, we, We walk in light that we have. Okay, we can't be expected to do things Um, for which we have no revelation. We can't be expected to walk in things for which we have no revelation. Um, So we we do these two things together. We prepare ourselves, we we walk with Jesus, and we do according to his will. We respond to him when he talks to us. So we are doing the work and the walk, but it's the work coming out of the walk. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father, I just thank and praise you for your word. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the challenge of your word. And uh, Father, I just thank you that you've spoken to each one of us here. You've spoken to people watching online. Lord, I thank you that you've spoken to people even listening to a recording of this message. And uh, Lord, I thank you you've spoken in a living and an active way. Lord, help each one of us to work what it means for us out in practice in our lives. And Lord, that's going to be different for each one of us. Uh, Lord, but you know each one of us intimately. You know how many hairs are on our head even. And Lord, I would just ask you, I'd invite you by the power of the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of the people uh, that uh, we would each respond in the way you'd want us to. And that we would have the strength and the ability and the determination to see it through and that when you return whenever that is Jesus we will be truly ready and waiting in Jesus mighty wonderful name and people said amen praise God so if you're in the room you're lucky because you get to have a cup of coffee or tea Uh, if you're not we say goodbye bye to our live stream and thank you very much you are dismissed